Hello and welcome to the Intratestament podcast series. My name is Vincent. I'll be one of the hosts on the show. Today is a very special day. It is our first episode all together and I have a very special guest. Um, Not only a great friend, uh, but a pastor, uh, a musician, and a skilled medium. Uh, Liz Moore McDevitt is in the studio with us today, everyone. So round of applause. Uh, and I will let Liz introduce herself. Well, hello, everyone. It's really good to be here with Vince because the last couple of years we've had conversations on the run because somebody had to be here or somebody had to go there, and now we get to really converse in depth. And the intertestament period is so interesting to me, and and he immediately said, oh, it's interesting to me, too. That was a year and a half ago. And um, so today's talk is going to be about the Essenes. These were a Jewish group, Um, and um, I want to first make my disclaimer here. I am a historian. I have a major in history and I love history. When I read for pleasure, I read history books. I'm kind of a geek that way. Um, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm not Jewish. And um, I I cannot pronounce words that are Hebrew or Arabic or anything like that. I just I just don't have the tongue for it. I can speak a little French and I can sing in different languages, but um, I'm and I'm not an expert. But I come to this with an extreme interest and love for it because, as a metaphysician, I see our roots here in the intertestament period. And if you want to look at that as 400 BC to 400 AD or whatever stretch of centuries, um, so much happened that lots of times we don't look at it as in between the two, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Gospels and everything. So it's putting all of this history, all of these people, And my curiosity is how do people think? How do they arrive at their decisions in terms of how they believe and how they uh, work their way through what is given us on this earth? Mm -hmm. Things we have to do, problems we have to solve. So with the um, study on the Essenes today, I want you to ask me a question, Vince, because that's how we get our best conversations (laughs) going. (laughs) Absolutely. So me, you know, I'm a a student of all of this, truly love gaining the knowledge, the wisdom, simply because, like you said, understanding how they lived their day-to-day lives back then in comparison to how we live our day-to-day lives today, uh, by taking a look back at how they lived their lives, we could, in hopes, get back on track. Uh, given you know how many things are going on in the world uh, and everyone's dealing with so many different things by taking a look back I think we'll be able to get to see how original um, humans were able to not only work together but to do and create beautiful societies infrastructures um, to a, an immense degree uh, and, I, and to discover that um, that just opened my eyes so much um, so I'll, I'll do my best to ask as many questions as I can, uh, but 
you know, I'm still learning, so there, there's more. But I would imagine one of my first questions uh, with the Essenes, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, very religious, but, you know, and they, they know a lot of the sects, but uh, when it comes to Judaism, but the Essenes seem to be so prominent, but overlooked. Uh, a lot of people just don't know, you know, who the Essenes were, what characters, because I know there's a lot of characters we already know, and we've grown to love over the years, but we didn't know that they were actually Essenes uh, and a part of that society. Right, right, right. It, it's, um, it's like this. There were three different sects of re uh, religious groups in this period of time. And I'm, when we're talking about this time, it's after the first temple. And so we're in the period of the second temple. Um, the Essenes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, those three sects, were different. The Sadducees and the Pharisees stayed in the temple and um, pretty much followed the Talmud and pretty much, um, and I'll explain the Talmud in a minute, uh, pretty much went about their days supporting the temple and having the people support the temple um, by way of animal sacrifice and that type of thing, as well as offerings. And the Essenes um, abandoned the temple. They abandoned that life, and they went out into the desert in enclaves. What we, we looking back, these enclaves were very much like monasteries. And um, they looked at their Torah much differently than the Sadducees and the Pharisees did. Um, they pretty much kind of ignored the Talmud. Now, the, the Talmud is the commentary by the ancient rabbis. Okay. And um, it was commentary on life, how to apply the 613 commandments in the Torah, the 270-some-odd do's and the 300-some-odd don'ts. Um, and they... They also were um, looking at the Talmud during the Babylonian period, the Talmud that was written then. Uh, Samuel is um, credited with being one of the first writers of the Talmud. And then after his death, it was Nathan and Gad. And then others after that, after the Babylonian period. Okay. Now, the Talmud is theologians having conversations. Mm and it being written down and saying, well, we think that you should do this and we think that you should do that. The Essenes stripped everything down to the bare essence. Hmm. Okay, now in these enclaves, the Essenes had very strict rules. How do we know this stuff? We know it because after World War II, a great find was made near the Dead Sea, near the Qumran community or enclave of Essenes. In 11 caves, there were um, 
jars or amphora or whatever you want to call them, pottery jars filled yeah. with scrolls. And there were three, tri- three types of scrolls. There were biblical scrolls, you know, the Torah. And the, when I say Torah, I mean the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, okay. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. Okay. The, um, all the books of the Old Testament that are the uh, major prophets and minor prophets, that's um, called the prophets. And then the writings such as Song of Solomon, Psalms, Proverbs, Ruth, Esther, yeah. and uh, Job, and all those, that's called the writings of the Old Testament. Okay. So when you look at the Torah, you're looking at um, the beginning of the Jews and the story of their beginning. And then when the law the lawgiver Moses came down from uh, the mountain on Mount Sinai and had the Ten Commandments, and then they were destroyed, and then he went back up the mountain, he came back down with a, a new copy of the commandments. They're looking at that. The Essenes are looking at that. Okay. So, in their enclaves, and it wasn't just at Qumran, they were in Mount Carmel, which is near the northern border of present-day Israel, on overlooking the, it's on the coast, and it's overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. They were in um, small towns in uh, Lebanon, present-day Lebanon and present-day Syria, and they were at Alexandria, uh, just south of Alexandria at Lake Maraotis. And we know, when we, when we say we love studying about this intertestament yes. period, we want to know, we wish we could go back in time and visit that library in Alexandria. Oh, so, um, and in Alexandria itself, not only did they have an Essene enclave, but there were many neighborhoods where Jewish people lived. Many Jewish families lived in Alexandria. It was a straight shot by boat. Yeah, from there to Israel or getting into any part of Israel. Um, so the Essenes were able to look at things more and simplify, simplify, mm. simplify, simplify. To the core or root, kind of. To the root. Gotcha. Um, so there were different, three different types of scrolls. They had the community scroll, which was the manual of discipline and how you would behave if you were living in a in an Essene complex or enclave. Okay, kind of like law structure of how society should operate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all the and they had rules. For instance, one of their rules was there's no sense in having conversations of a mundane or profane nature. Mm. Many of the the Essenes did not marry. Hmm. Some did, and some had families. You know, one of the things that I saw, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, uh, was in regards to kind of training or help raise a child that was not of their own. Um, Yeah. Okay. Could you explain a little? If a child looked as though they would be um, fit for spiritual life and also was um, able to 
undergo discipline and learn to read and write and yeah. and languages. Uh, they gave them that academic um, education, and they brought them up in that way. And um, so there were children who said, you know, I think this is my calling. And some of them were young, and they said, you know, I want to be taught by the Essenes. And Essenes would uh, leave their enclave and go to a village, or they'd go to the outskirts of Jerusalem or somewhere, wherever they were um, wanted, and would teach. So um, they weren't um, jailed <laughs> inside their enclave. Gotcha. They, they did work. They did their work. The they did agricultural message. work there at the site. Uh, they took care of the place. Um, they, um, some of them uh, were crafters and very good at producing whatever it was that mm. would bring a living to the complex. Mm. When you joined, it took three years to become an Essene. You wow. joined as a postulant, and then you were a novitiate, you had to prove uh, initiate, and then uh, a novitiate, and then an initiate. Mm. You had to live outside the complex for a year. And if you were still around, they would allow you to go the next step up. Mm. And um, then finally, you were invited into the sacred space. And to enter into the sacred space, of course, twice a day, you stepped into a pool of cold water, and you cleansed yourself. And it was considered ritual cleansing for the sake of purity. Wow. And it was an exercise in purity. Um, even though that type of immersion and um, bathing was common, it was a cultural thing. This was more serious for the Essene. One of the key components that I see with the Essene is purity. Um, yeah. That, that whether that comes through, you know, actions, decisions, you know, how we live our life, just all around um, an environment uh, of purity. Um, and in, I'd like to really, because it seems as though when a human being is able to reach a certain level of purity, um, I, there's stories and things where the Essenes were able to do things that maybe a modern man could not do um, with their level of consciousness uh, and the level of purity that they possessed uh, in their being. So I, I don't know, you know, how much uh, they were able to do or what was capable, but I know they do seem to have lived very different lives uh, than the modern man. Uh, but one thing that I really love um, about the culture is uh, personal character and integrity, um, morals, values. Um, these were more important than any external factor. What was coming from within was much more important than what's outside. And that's why I think this culture uh, is so important. Um, yeah, I think we can derive a, a great deal from it. And I think we can see um, how, for instance, monasticism as it grew out of the Catholic Church had had so much of this going for it. And this was way before we found out anything from the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, mm -hmm. so there were church people, Eusebius and some of the others, who who knew how the Essenes lived. Even Pythagoras lived within, uh, within an Essene enclave wow. for three years. 
yeah. So there it. was enough. Uh, there was enough with learned men. There was enough who who were aware of how a good monastery should be run. Yeah. So <coughs> the Essenes, <coughs> for instance, would never swear an oath. And the reason for that is their word was enough. But wow. they did take vows. Okay. Because that was part of how their discipline. Now, some people, you just look at them and, you know, they were raised by wolves. They, <laughs> yeah, for lack of better words. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not fair to wolves because they have a very good society amongst yeah. themselves. <laughs> But, you know, when you're just a human and you're just free to come and go as you please, all of a sudden you're put under a discipline and you go, wait a minute. I was free and happy-go-lucky. Yeah. And where did it get me, really? Where mm. did it get me? Yeah. Uh, now I have to put myself under a discipline. I have to be a disciple to a mm. better way. That's the origin of the word discipline, disciple. Oh, wow. Yeah, you didn't know that? I did not know that. I'm a word geek, too. <laughs> yes, I love no, word etymology, no, so I'll, I will throw a few of those at you, and well, you go, thank ooh, you. have your catcher's mitt on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that helps me bring it full circle to really mm -hmm. grasp the understanding of where mm -hmm. these terms and where it really comes from. So, Well, in this really day of computers, that. think of the word apostolic or apostle, P-O-S-T. You're posting something on Facebook. Yeah. Is it good? Is it uplifting? Or is it crap? I know. Oh, you got a little bit of all of it. People are selling everything. So, so the Essenes, going back to the Essenes, if you're going to wow. post something, have it be uplifting. Have right. it be for the greater good. Have it be of for the... Us. Yeah. 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 And I, it, communal. Very communal. Uh-huh. Um, to where it, it's very opposite of our society where you have a few with everything and then a lot of people with hardly anything their society is you couldn't tell us apart you know uh, it seems as though they ensured balance because this it was a utopia with lots of rules but you can't have a utopia without, without rules. the rules. Right. <laughs> and then that's important. That is very important. You that's one of the mistakes some... that was yes. it William Bradford made when he, he and the pilgrims uh, got off the Mayflower at Plymouth Rock. They were going to have a utopia. Everybody's, you know, everything is for everybody. They didn't have enough rules. Yeah. So they were, believe it or not, they were lazy pilgrims who ate the food that other people toiled for. Because there weren't any. Yeah, and then the next year they said, you know what? Everybody gets their own plot of land and they garden their own garden. If you starve, it's your own fault. So, yes, if you're going to have a utopia, you got to have a lot of rules. But those rules have to make sense. Right. And and the, the rules have to be of a spiritual nature. Mm. Serve a purpose or functionality. Uh -huh. um, not just for an agenda, but to ultimately serve that community. Right. Uh, Better. The greater good, uh, spiritually. The, in other words, in, in the metaphysical church before, uh, uh, we, we refer to it as the highest good, for man's highest good, or for the mm. individual's highest good, or for the group's highest good, highest good. That, that kind of thing. Okay. okay, so the three types of scrolls were um, copies of the actual books of the Hebrew scriptures, 
the Essenes were copyists, so they, one of the words derived from the word Essene was, um, and I can't pronounce it, but translated it meant the doers or makers of the Torah. Wow. You know, and Gutenberg hadn't been born yet, so you copied out every word of the Torah in order to have multiple copies of it for those who were literate. Uh, literate and could read it. Uh, they were preserving preserving the texts of the Bible itself. Right. They didn't want it messed with. Secondly, there were commentaries on these biblical texts. And these are their own commentaries that show their own interpretation, not the Talmudic, but sh showed the Essenes' interpretation of what would happen in the future. This is where we begin to get some of the insights into the way the Essenes at Qumran believed because of the way they interpret the prophecies of Isaiah mm. or Habakkuk as well as the way they read the Torah. So uh, among the scrolls then we have a complete set of almost all the biblical books of the Bible and the Old Testament is called the Tanakh, T for Torah, N for prophets, and K for writings, Tanakh, it's an acronym. Okay. So the Isaiah scroll is one of the most famous of the biblical manuscripts and then they have their commentaries on Isaiah, very, very important for our understanding of the Jewish interpretation of scripture in this period. This is the intertestament period. Isaiah had been saying, you know, things are going to change. Okay. There's going to come a time. There will be a person. There will be a, it's the messianic message. Okay. And then the third major type of material found was um, their community rules, sectarian writings, their manual of discipline, their prayer book, um, how one goes about becoming a postulant, a novitiate, okay. and an in, uh, initiate. Um, and then we also have something called the War Scroll. The War Scroll hmm. is, and the Essenes were an apocalyptic group. In other words, they were foreseeing, they were prophets, right. they worked very hard at um, the prophecy. You know, they worked at prophecy that had been given earlier. And then with their piety and their, the, the higher priests within the Essene community were considered contemplatives. And it was a hierarchical, you began at the beginning and yeah, uh, some of the Essenes were in the junior period, and then some of the Essenes were in the senior period, I okay, gotcha. of, of their life in the enclave. Okay, so the war scroll is how the sons of light, along with all the angels, okay. go to war with the sons of darkness. Wow. You know, that's kind of like, I've read a book recently, I think, and I may be saying the name wrong. It's kind of the Mahabharata. Mahabharata. Uh, very similar. A story of two forces um, kind of going at each other, ultimately for dominance over the realm, 
to some degree, mm-hmm. but I'd like to hear more of theirs because it kind of... Uh, well, in the morning when the Essenes yeah. arose, they arose in silence. Mm. They went outside and they all together would recite their ancestral prayers facing the sun. Does that sound Egyptian to you? <laughs> yes. The sun is very important. Yes. Um, the giver of life. So God mm. is, in essence, that giver of life, that sun, photons, particles right. of light. Um, the essence. We, uh, I'm an old lady, so I have to take my vitamin D, even though I do get sunlight, you know? That's <laughs> been a big thing with a lot of stuff going on now, vitamin sure. D3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a natural thing that the sun yeah. can give us. So <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> if it ain't one thing, it's another. <laughs> but it. you're going to get it. <laughs> yep. So um, the war scroll, and they had to have their own battle plan for this war that will be occurring oh. at the end of the age, and it will be cata- a cataclysmic event in their view. It, it was also... A reality in their mind. Mm. It was it was something they considered, yeah. uh, not offhand, but seriously. That could explain the extent, because what I see with this society is a need to write these things down, ensure for future generations. It seems as though they really focused on ensuring certain information makes it to the future where it may be necessary or very needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went. It seems as though their society went through great lengths to ensure the survival of this information and documentation that they had. So right. it's very they, important for us, they, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, in 75 AD, um, the Romans went to war with the Jews. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that is why these scrolls ended up in pottery jars and hidden as well as possible because they knew knew. you know they had been preparing right for the imminent for something something cataclysmic um and they when you look at um eschatological um thinking which is end times thinking the end of the world thinking um you're going to imagine what's it going to be like getting there and what's it going to be like when you're there at that end time yeah. okay right. so it's right in front of our face all the time mm. and i'm talking about time 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 we're watched time 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 time, time we're time, living time. in a land of um matter and time space and time time and space and matter we think it's matter and um so we're talking about the period of the intertestament centuries. Mm-hmm. What happened with time? The calendar, or calendars, okay. the Essenes followed the solar calendar. This is a big shift. Oh, hello, shift. <laughs> yes. yes, okay. We went from the Roman Julian calendar. There were other... Um, cultures that used a lunar calendar 
the Essenes used the solar calendar, the Romans used the Julian calendar, and then as Christianity um, gave way, the Gospels and whatnot gave way, then we had the Gregorian calendar, which is what the West uses today. But the Chinese have that calendar, the Jews still have their ancient calendar, they're still marking time in terms of whatever they want to go back to. But okay, so you're coming down, you're 30 B.C., 25 B.C., 15 B.C., 1 B.C. Okay. Now what are we going to do? Now we're going to go 2 A.D. And A.D. means Anno Domini in Latin, Year of Our Lord. Pope Gregory made sure that was stuck in there. And B.C. is before Christ. So what is Christ? Christ is... The Sons of Light won the war. Ah. Christ is enlightenment. Absolutely. Christ in consciousness. Christ in consciousness. Okay. So, before Christ, the Jews, who did not believe in an afterlife, of which the Essenes definitely did. Wow. To to an ordinary Jew, you just died and your body was buried and... your your soul was just that's it went to shul shows over shul and that that was just you know like the dustbin um then then you have this 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 before christ the sh- the jews lived under what they called the law and that was okay. mostly talmudic law or law of the talmud ancient rabbis hashing things out amongst themselves in their interpretations when all we you you can simplify that completely remember when uh someone asked jesus to say uh what's the most important commandment Hmm. out of 613 uh let me tell you the most important commandment was to love god with all your heart with all your mind and all your soul and to love your fellow man as yourself or love your neighbor as yourself golden rule yeah do unto others as you would have them do unto you and then the 10 commandments Mm -hmm. i mean do you have to mess it up with a whole bunch of other stuff that, like you said, the core or the root. If you hit what's at the core, at the root, at you the don't essence. need the fluff yeah, at you that don't, point. You don't because need you've addressed what needs to be addressed in order for the infrastructure or the society to operate at a higher level um, collectively. Right. Not just individuals here and there, but collectively the entire society has risen. Uh, instead right. of leaving anyone behind. That's like picture William Bradford at Plymouth Rock making all kinds of more rules, trying to get the lazy people who thought, well, I'm just here, and since everything is a uh, community, I'll just lay back and enjoy life and still get to eat. And so if William Bradley had, Bradford, or what, I can't, William Bradford had, mm. uh, made tons more rules, like every month there were another 30 or 40 rules uh, to try to get these lazy people up off the chair and into the garden to work. You know, instead, he had the wisdom to say, eh, we're going full capitalism. The heck with this utopia stuff. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. It wouldn't have worked without but, everyone. But he didn't know about the Qumran 
Dead Sea Scrolls. He okay. didn't know how the Essenes made it a monastic community that you wanted to get into, I not gotcha. just because you wanted to sail away from England. Ah, ah. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so that's the analogy you can put with it. All, all these extraneous rules and, and you know, implicating this and implicating that, and because you do, they're all reactionary. Hmm. You know, there there's a passive aggressive born every minute. Uh, they're just chasing their tail at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're chasing their tail. So, <clears throat> um, there was also another scroll. It's called the the Copper Scroll. Quite literally, with the letters raised, um, incised into this Copper Scroll. Wow. And it was uh, the letters were in Hebrew, and it was soft burnished copper. And the contents of the Copper Scroll are still a source of interest among many people because people think it may be a treasure map of their own holdings. Now, speaking of holdings, when someone became in a scene, every bit of their property and their money and whatever it was, was their property was sold. Everything they had, their goods, was given to the community, and it became the communal purse and the communal storehouse. Mm. Um, and if you earned money let's say you walked into Jerusalem and you taught seven or eight classes and you walked back home if you were remunerated for these classes that you taught you just put that right in the pot mm. the Essenes were also generous with what they had any other Essene traveling from any other place Mount Carmel, uh, Egypt, anywhere and, and there were enclaves all over the place, not just yeah. the ones I mentioned. Okay. Um, and some people who were Essenes lived at home because they had a family to care for and they had other things to do. It has been speculated that Anna and Joachim, who were the parents of Mary, okay. the Virgin Mary, yeah. were Essenes, and that Mary and Joseph the carpenter were Essenes or studied with the Essenes took instruction from the Essenes, um, helped the Essenes, and that Mary's uncle, Anna's half-brother, was also an Essene, and his name was Joseph of Arimathea. Hmm. Joseph of Arimathea was also in the temple, and I think he was a Pharisee. Ah. Okay. Because he was very rich and very important. He was like the, he had a lot of ships, that um, <clears throat> sailed out of the Mediterranean up into the United, present day United Kingdom, and um, was that British Isles of that British, day? British Isles, yeah, um, into Wales and places yeah. like that where they mined copper and tin and lead, and it was the Bronze Age, and okay. uh, he had a good customer in the Roman legions. They were always buying metal. Okay, and uh, so. Wow. Well, that's a connection. So he, and he was wealthy. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, um, so if there are many holdings, for instance, that this copper scroll is going to point to, it'll and if it does talk of wealth that the Essenes accumulated, just know that it was not for themselves. You know, they also had a battle to prepare for. Right. Now, spiritually, how did they prepare for that battle of sons of light versus the sons of darkness? 
they prepared for it by, remember I told you they um, prayed in the morning mm-hmm. to the sun? Right. They also recounted, they memorized and said aloud, saying it aloud to the sky, all the names of all the angels. All the angels that have ever existed, not just in the Hebrew religion or the Christian religion or, you know, because there have always been the messengers. Right. And some people I, say, well, the messengers were aliens from out of space. All right. yeah. So many labels that have been given, but yeah. the concept of messengers does not go anywhere. No, it, it goes it's a, it's a messenger back. and a guide and an advisor, right. an ascended master wise one, spiritual friend. (laughs) They recited the names because they knew that the names of these angels were going to be part of their army. Mm. Okay. So they weren't hoarding anything. They gave an awful lot. Any hungry traveler. They were also healers. And they were looking at the properties of minerals, rocks, crystals. Yeah. They were looking at everything from roots, leaves, stems, barks, pharmacopoeia. You know, they were healers. Wow. And so when we think of the alchemist. Right. Well, there you go. They're very they were making a concerted and focused study into these types of things. They were going to be guided and also do for their fellow man. Mm. Okay. That's right. like a bridge mm-hmm. uh, to help us reach that, um, a word that I, I've kind of come, I, I guess it's the, kind of like Dharma, just that every individual's guide on purpose. To, exactly. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, when we talk about purity and cleanliness and the washing, what what was Jesus of Nazareth doing almost every other day of his life? <laughs> yes. He was healing a leper. Yeah. What was a leper? A leper was a person who caught a bacterial infection, Hansen's disease, mm-hmm. and then became an outcast. He was wow. banished, ostracized from his family and his society. And it happened to women and children, too. So they were living outside city walls. Oh. They could not participate in any kind of life. So they were excluded. How do you think the Essenes thought of that? Well, the Essenes already saw life in the cities um, as way too worldly and they even saw life in the big temples in the cities especially jerusalem as far too worldly too 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 crass too too crass and too bent on the exchanges of money the physicality the physicality and all that kind of thing and of course Mm. the romans didn't help because there was all all this taxation going on they had to pay for all their armies and so on and so forth and they're you know, Caesar had to have a palace on every block. <laughs> yeah, he went and laid his head. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so cleanliness okay. was a way to prevent yourself from getting leprosy. 
And what did Jesus do? He went right to the leper and he healed the lepers. It's in the Gospels. Wait a minute, we can't have this. This is no fault of anybody's that this person got this bacterial infection. And they shouldn't be an outcast. Well, they didn't know what to do. Rather ah. than rather than dealing with the problem in the in the cities, they just said, "You're out." <laughs> wow, because well, you're going to make us all sick. That hasn't changed much today. <laughs> but the Essenes were going to do something about it. First of okay. all, with the ritual cleansing and everything, they they uh, and prayer, they were going to prevent it. And then okay. with their study on healing, ah. they were going to do something about it. Whether it was minerals, prayer, uh, plant material, more prayer. Uh, that type of thing. And then who comes through but Jesus? Hmm. Hmm. What's There's he do? First thing he does is he healed the leper. <laughs> he healed the mentally ill. He healed the leper. <laughs> yeah. He was busy. I imagine. Wow. Okay. So how do we deal with ostracism? Today? Ah, it's a tough one. Well, people are fighting about it all the time, Every are they day. not? Every day. Every day. Every How day. do we handle it? Is there a spiritual answer? I think if you strip away all the other stuff, you find that spiritual answer, just as they did back then. And it came through. Now, the Essenes also thought of themselves, their organization, as the channel through which the Messiah would come. And that is why their focus was so much on, on um, Isaiah, Elijah and Habakkuk. They really thought. So blown away. So if if Mary and Joseph the carpenter were Essenes, hello. Hello. You know. Process of elimination. Right. At that point. Right. Right. Um, you don't. You don't have to go far. Yes. Well, that's. Uh, <laughs> okay. um, they um, they did not like the way the temple was being run, and. Um, the Essenes weren't a new group, just, you know, just in the years prior to, you know, Christmas morning. Um, mm. The Essenes had been around, they thought, since the end of the First Temple period. Um, they were, they, there were groups with other names and uh, leaders. And um, so getting into that, probably another discussion on how yeah. that happened but when we're talking about that time when Jesus is going to make his presence known on the earth um, there were two groups of Essenes there were the Nazareans okay. and the Ossians Nazarean and Ossians Ossians yes so we'll get into that at another time okay I've been talking a lot ask yes. me some questions oh wow well you <laughs> or make some comments of you've your own. definitely educated me on a lot in regards to and everyone else as well on the Essenes like I said simply because how close to home they are to all the characters we know and that society the infrastructure I think we really could take some lessons from how they operate and, you know, incorporate some of those aspects to help us better create something new for the future. Um, but I would definitely like to hear a little bit more um, in regards to, so the Essenes, Israel, uh, well, uh, uh, Jerusalem at that time, um, and the Library of Alexandria, it's a lot of their information, um, I 
guess we don't really know what was there. It, 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 we can't really even account for all of the knowledge that could have been there. Do you want to hear a story? I yes. just just heard uh, heard about when um, the city of Alexandria, which was commissioned by Alexander the Great just before his death, his satrap or general Ptolemy, who was given the area of Egypt and the Nile Delta and so forth, he said, "I want you to." build a city and name it after me and I want you to build a library with every bit of the world's knowledge. Okay, so they're building the city and they're building the port, the wharves, all the piers that go out into the Mediterranean and they're building the library and you know, things are going great guns. They've got building it up, building it up. There was one of the first laws that had to do with the waterfront was this. Every single boat, and they didn't care if it was a raft or a rowboat or a ship, every single vessel that came in and tied up had to relinquish every bit of their written material. Wow. The scribes would come down, they'd pick up, this material, they'd take it back to the library, even though the library wasn't even completely finished, but they had enough rooms for the copyists. The copyists would write down every single bit of the written material. Wow. They would keep the original and take the copies back to the man who owned the boat, the captain. Wow. And they did that with every boat that came in. They really were doing a service. They, like you said, they understood And that wasn't the only way they procured, but that was one of the ways in which they procured. So imagine that, having the foresight to do that. And and here I am, I'm the captain of my ship. What? You're bringing me a Xerox (laughs) copy of all these great books I just gave you? (laughs) But they were good sports, I guess. But it'd be hard for a captain to understand that this is... Well, I think they knew once they heard of this great big city on the on the delta there. Well, let's go check this out and see if that's true. Yep, it was true. Yeah. Oh, I just only <laughs> a, to imagine something like that today existing or you know being constructed. Well, look at everything on the internet. You all you got to do is copy and paste. Oh, very true. Highlight and copy very and true. paste. Oh, wow. <laughs> I I think the. That library held the key, and that may be that may have ultimately led to its destruction. Just how important um, it truly meant for everyone. Who were the victims in World War Two? Well, um, I would say the Jews. The sure. Jews. 100%. So, a year after Churchill and everybody get together at a table just like this and signed, mm-hmm. the scrolls were found. Is that not divine? You're right. Somewhere around 1947, 46. Yeah, it's right in there. You're Mm -hmm. right. Right afterward, the scrolls were found. Is that divine? And it is. And Israel established right there after that. In 48. Yeah, right there a year after. So. There's definitely some importance. Oh, God's busy. <laughs> you know, the, God, God that is. was a busy three, four years. A lot was happening. Um, that would shape, I think, I think 
when it comes to this knowledge, I think there are a vast amount of people that know it, but they don't. Here's the thing. It's not spoken. There are secularists, and they have big mouths, and they have big bullhorns to really push their secular tone. Yeah. They've built an infrastructure. Oh, yeah. You and I know the divine happens every day. Every day. And there is a divine reason for everything. Everything in its time. Right. Okay. When we say we're not saying that as empty words. No, not at all. We see it because well, we're talking about it. And and it's, and it's involved. <laughs> yeah. And it's involved and it's happening. You've got to live life as a divine being. So postmodernism and secularism is like it's very opposite of that. It's it's what the Essenes were escaping in Jerusalem the city and the temple per se. It, it is Why do you need to sacrifice animals? Have that blood sacrifice to atone for your skins sins. I'm responsible for my sins. Right. And These I gotta are my do the work. Actions. That yeah. I have the choice and decision. I don't go buy a pigeon as my scapegoat and say, here, this will take care of it. No, I change my actions that I take. I don't. I prevent myself from getting to such places. I take responsibility. It's like a, a lesson of personal accountability. And character and integrity. In, and today, it's as though society is tearing all those things away. And it's like those things aren't as valuable. But in that time... That was the most valuable thing. What, nowadays, <laughs> yeah, and nowadays it is too. But but As life it should be. Life is a divine exercise. It yeah. is a divine school in which we learn. It is given us by the divine, by intelligent, uh, infinite intelligence, God. Yahweh, whatever word you want to assign the the, the yeah. whole power there, um, it's divine, and the Essenes knew that, and that's why they had to get away from what was happening in the other places, and that's why they simplified and got down to the essence of things, and that's why they had a discipline so that you wouldn't fall back into you that. Know, that is the beautiful thing about life that I've come, you know, it's, and I'm still on the journey, only you know, 29 is that. God is in the simple things. Oh yeah. You do, it doesn't need to be overcomplicated yeah. in, in any in any measure. In the very simple things. The uh, Philo, uh, Philo of Alexandria, and in one of his first accounts of the Essenes, I'll read this. He says the Essenes do not offer animal sacrifice, judging it more fitting to render their minds truly holy. They flee the cities and live in villages where clean air and clean social life abound. They either work in the fields or in crafts that contribute to peace. Mm. They do not hoard silver and gold and do not acquire great land holdings, procuring for themselves only what is necessary for life. They were wow. vegetarians, vegan. And uh, they would give an offering to the temple. It was perfunctory. But they would not send an animal for sacrifice. They didn't have any animals around there. You know, maybe they had some for milk or... 
but I can I can gauge it because they're looking within. They don't need anything external for what they could do within. Right. And that is a key element. Wow. Yeah. They honor the Sabbath with great respect over the other days of the week. So they had daily regimen and weekly um, Sabbath. Hmm. Um, they have an internal rule which all learn together with the rules on piety, holiness, justice, and <clears throat> the knowledge of good and bad. Hmm. Contrast. These they made use of in the form of triple definitions. Rules regarding the love of God, the love of virtue, and the love of men. What's a triple definition? A triple definition? Mm -hmm. That I haven't heard before. Well, uh, this is a book. It's information. It's paper. Ah, okay. Triple definition. And when you have a triple definition, you can say, yeah, it's paper and it's a book. But what it really is about is the Druids, and I love reading it. And ah. that's the essence of it. So you, that's one of the ways to get to an essence. Ah. Ah, you see that? It's simple. <laughs> it's very simple. Simple as one, two, three. <laughs> Literally, one, two, three. They believe that God causes all good, but cannot be the cause of any evil. If evil is done, some human mind has concocted it. Mm. Okay? Um, they honor virtue by foregoing riches, glory, and pleasure. And they are convinced they must be modest, quiet, obedient to the rule, simple, frugal, and basically without silliness. So humble. Mm-hmm. Their life is communal. They have a common purse. Their salaries they deposit before them all in the midst of them to be put in the common employment of those who wish to make use of it. Mm. Okay, so they didn't need a scapegoat. They sinned. The group would take care of it wow. with them if they couldn't do it on their own. Wow. Talk mm -hmm. about having... Mm -hmm. That was a brotherhood. Wow. That is... And it's almost today people try to find that as much just that communal brotherhood of, you know, of course we have a bunch where they may not be as honest and upstanding, but once you incorporate that, though, that's where that beauty comes in. And we're all trying to, it all seems as though we're all just trying to find our way back to a simpler lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And no one better than the Essenes understood that for humanity and they set course and they had to go through like you said that war um, and by the grace of God their knowledge their wisdom is still here shining on us today well yeah the divine doesn't go away does it no it does not <laughs> <laughs> and as much and, and we can say through history you know with you know the burning down of the Library of Alexandria and all these different things that have took place, there's definitely been evidence to show that some group or some individuals wanted to silence this type of lifestyle uh, because maybe it's purity and, and how divine it truly was. Yes, with every age. You know, history always repeats itself. That's one of the reasons why I love to study history because I, yeah. I like to say, okay, this here is repeating it right here. You know? Right. Well, I definitely think uh, because, we're seeing a lot of this today. Oh, yeah. And, and and then there is divine timing 
That's not just a phrase that people throw out there. There is divine timing, just like the Quamran Scrolls being uh, discovered in 1946. You know, uh, and end of times, apocalyptic nature of their thinking, future thinking. That's time. That's history. That's history repeating itself over and over again. It was a bad time for Adam and Eve when they were shut out of the Garden of Eden. That was a bad time. It was a bad time when Noah had to build an ark. Yeah. Okay? There have been other bad times. The Holocaust, 1939 to 1945. That was a bad time. Very bad. Okay, what happens after a bad time? Wow. The sons of light come back. (laughs) The sun comes out. The sun comes out. And that is one of the most... The dove, the rainbow. The sun shines and through... All and that and that could be one of the biggest takeaways is that humanity has been through a lot of testaments, and and what have we learned? Some of us learn very well, very well, and some of us try to help others learn it too, but people are resistant to learning, and that's what we're living with. Right. Well, Um, hopefully through. Uh, things like this, this channel, this platform, and what we're doing, we can help re-educate or bring to light some of this magnificent knowledge that not only can help an individual better see the world in which they live, but have a better vision of themselves in that world as well and how they should Why interact. did Christ say, love their neighbor as, them, as their right. own self? You gotta love yourself. That's you gotta it. know you're divine. You gotta know that within you is God. Right. Wow. God dwells in me as me. Oh. <laughs> That's from the movie yes. uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. <laughs> Which is a very good movie. Excellent movie. Um, yeah, God dwells in me as me. Um, now, Philo had another um, account. He said, um, The Essenes live in a number of towns in Judea and also in many villages and in large groups. They do not enlist by race, or you only can be a Jew, but by volunteers who have a zeal for righteousness and an ardent love of mankind, their brothers. For this reason, there are no young children among the Essenes, not even adolescents or young men. Instead, they are men of older, ripe years who have learned how to control their bodily passions. So a lot of people get stuck on the fact that, oh, they lived like monks and they didn't have wives and and, um, they were celibate. Um, That's part of it, but it's not all of it. Um, They possessed nothing of their own, no house, field, slave, nor flocks. They did not believe in slavery. Um, nor anything with uh, which feeds and procures wealth. They live together in brotherhoods and eat in common together. Everything they do is for the common good of the group. They work at many different jobs and attack their work with amazing zeal and dedication, working from before sunrise to the 11th hour uh, without complaint, but in obvious exhilaration. He was an eyewitness. Their exercise is their work. Indeed, they believe their own training to be more agreeable to the body and soul and more lasting strength. Whereas other people were thinking, like soldiers, they were, um, you know, constantly uh, practicing war skills. Um, uh, 
um, their exercises remain fitted to their age even when the body no longer possesses its full strength. So they can keep on working. But they are they were also had their makeshift laboratory, if you want to call it that. They had their gardens, they had some other things that they did. They loved frugality. They were farmers. They shepherded some um, uh, milk animals, goats and whatnot. They were beekeepers and craftsmen in diverse trades. They share the same way of life and the same table, even the same tastes. Uh, they hated luxury. They thought it was a plague mm. for both body and soul. Not only do they share a common table, but common clothes as well. What belongs to one belongs to all. Available to all of them are thick coats for winter and inexpensive light tunics for summer. So you see Philo of Alexandria got down to the nitty-gritty about yeah. what their life was all about. Um, um, they banned marriage f for the most part. That's what he says. Now, Josephus, Flavius Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, okay. his first reference to the Essene comes from um, the death of Antigonus in 103 BC. Josephus relates that the Essenes had an uncanny ability to successfully predict future events. They studied wow. the prophets, they became prophets. They thought of themselves as the channel through mm. which a messianic figure would come. Now, getting back to that messianic figure, I want to tell you a little bit about a person who is unnamed, but he is called the teacher of righteousness. Okay. And they believe that he directed how the Essenes would live and how their spiritual life would manifest itself mm. in the enclaves. Okay. And they believed that there were two teachers of righteousness in different times. Um, wow. And it's also been interpreted that perhaps Jesus was the second teacher of righteousness. I can see that. What did they call Jesus? Rebbe. Teacher. I didn't know that. Rabbi. Rabbi. I think they pronounced it Rebbe. Rebbe. Uh, we'd say Rabbi. Well, through the stories, um, certainly teaching a lot of lessons. Yeah. Definitely. And the beautiful thing, <laughs> I think, is, and where I think, uh, I think, you know, some people may, you know, go in a different direction is, some people look at the stories for you know the external, but when I see these stories, it's more of a question of internal. You know, how would you respond? How should you respond in these situations? And by having that lens outside of it, I think people should bring that back to their their world of every day to day life because you know people know the stories, people read it, but they may not practice it um, as much um, and. Hopefully through kind of just these type of channels and things, we shed light to kind of bring that back, the practice of these things and, and, and just not only just have conversations, but also kind of get back into the practice uh, of what we say and, and stuff like that. So hopefully we can do that and help educate a lot of people. And I'm certainly being educated along the way. And I think <laughs> you, you have so much knowledge, Liz. Well, I, I, I know how to go get knowledge. And then I know how to That's read important. it. And I know how to put it together. And um, the thing is, 
I want to. I always want to know how people think, mm-hmm. and how they came to think that way. What motivates them to continue to think that way? Mm. Okay. Because I know I'm motivated by what I see as the divine. Absolutely. And I know that I've witnessed it enough because his, history repeats itself, and I'm I'm a student of history, right. and I'm going, yeah. Okay, now I see that. Now I see that. And and I like to line it all up and say, hmm, if only other people could yeah. see the wisdom in this. Right. Uh, but I imagine the most important thing is just having those pieces, like knowing who the Essenes are and, you know, their relationship to society and what they contribute to society, what type of society. Because now we can see that, you know, there have been times where people were able to do great things together collectively mm-hmm. um in even though you know they may not always agree on everything you still can operate as a society and, and things can be successful so through well there has to be a motivation there it is mm-hmm. and i think that aspect of divinity is what it is almost as though it's quietly leaving the conversation uh, in today's time, uh, especially the individual themselves having the divinity within them. Um, Once you know and you're assured of that, right? and I am, and you are, absolutely, and many people whom we know know that, you said it just a, a several minutes ago. You said how we respond. Okay, if we don't know we're divine beings... We're going to just react. Very much. When we are divine beings, we think. We let our spirit come in with us in a conversation. It may be a quick conversation, but we allow spirit to come and be with us mm. and say, now, is a response needed here? Mm. And if there is a response needed, how do I respond? And shall I recite the names of all the angels, or do I just do the shorthand? Yeah. Okay. That's powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. <laughs> that is powerful there. Well, with that, Liz, we can conclude our first episode. And are we coming back to more yes. scenes? Okay. Uh, uh, we could definitely I, I still have a lot more information. We could do and a we part can... two. Okay, we'll do a part two. That's Absolutely. a deal. Absolutely. That's a deal. And I'll, I'll get out my... Uh, highlighters and uh we'll just go to town on that absolutely well thank you so much for coming through and blessing us all with this wealth of knowledge um priceless that's all i could say you're welcome you're (laughs) welcome and uh i'm just the messenger yes there it is all right and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was episode one of the Intra Testament podcast series. Uh, special guest Liz Moore McDevitt was amazing to say the least with all the information she's provided us today regarding the Essenes. Uh, and a little tidbit uh, the second part here uh, is also Liz Moore McDevitt, and this is something that she was willing to share with us. Um, this is a live recording of an audio track that she did do, uh, and she is letting us fade out with the beautiful melodies, um, here before you. So here we go.
life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation I hear the sweet though far off hymn that hails a new Can I keep from singing? And though my joys and comforts die and love, my teacher lives. And though the darkness gathers round, songs in the night. shake my inmost calm while to that refuge clinging Christ in love is heaven on earth how can I keep from singing I lift my eyes the clouds grow thin I see blue skies within Day by day the pathway clears Since first I learned to live Peace in life makes fresh my heart A fountain ever springing All things are mine Can I keep from singing? Love is Lord of heaven and earth. How can I keep?